Welcome to the Voice of the Pharaoh podcast. I am your host, Ben Hannon. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Pharaoh Podcast. I am your host, Ben Hannon, and we have the incredible and just, for me, the legendary experience of meeting with, well, now we would call you a brother-in-law, but back before you were in-law, Dustin Ruth and I have a long uh, history and background uh, all the way back in the day in the old days of Van Tucky uh, in the music business. So we are here to talk with Dustin today and I am so excited. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And we're going to put, we'll put family blood aside and we're going to, we're going to talk about some real life things today. We're going to talk about uh, being more authentic, uh, being bold, being yourself. And, um, you know, Dustin was explaining about how all of us at some level, either through force or just insecurity, we end up becoming shape shifters. And we're going to talk about his album, which he just put out. It's the seventh. February 7th. Yeah. February 7th, this album drops. You can listen on Spotify. Spotify. iTunes Radio. Amazon. iTunes Radio. What else? Amazon. Amazon. So for all those all those folks out there that, uh, you know, got a earbud in all day, uh, if you're driving truck or whatever, hey, go pick this album up. This is really, really good stuff. And it is, it is about the topic of the day, which we're going to be talking about just being yourself. So... <laughs> We're going to start out, <clears throat> we're going to get into Van Tucky. Sure. Why don't we just start there, okay? Starting way back. It's so way back, so all you, oh, 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 and I need to mention this. We are on location right now. We are on location in Battleground, Washington with Dustin Ruth in the old Van Tucky, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's what this is. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are, we there are used in. There to be cows out here. Yeah, yeah. This, this literally used to be a, a farm. Okay. So we're in Old Bantucky, uh, Battleground, Washington. It's 2020, and we got Dustin Ruth online. So let's get into Old Bantucky, Dustin. Where? Tell me about your origins. Let's let's get into the beginning. Uh, well, I was raised here, uh, probably like I think like maybe four or five miles from where we're at right now, um, and I grew up since 1982 pretty much in this area and I haven't really left for very long you know I went to LA for a little while and then I like oh yeah we got to get into that like that's such good stuff some touring and then maybe uh some job stuff that's brought me outside of this area but for the most part I've just always lived here okay so and and so yeah i don't know explain to folks like okay you're raised here but explain to folks we're talking about i mean this is 1980s yeah 503 was a two-lane road was a two-lane road when what i can remember in my head which is you know is probably snippets of the of how uh, you know how big the story really is but 503 was just two lanes each way north and south or one lane each way, and um, 
uh, we lived across the street from like the recycle center, right. which at the time was a dump, I think. Right. Okay. Uh, which sounds like horrible, but it wasn't. There was fields everywhere. It was a really good place to live, but, um, but yeah, when you drove through battlegrounds, there was no Safeway. Like I remember when they built Safeway. Okay. I'd go hunting with my dad, and my brothers, and you know there was pretty much a gas station in battleground. You'd, you could stop out and get coffee and donuts or whatever, and keep going. And then I remember when Safeway got built. Um, so it was pretty, pretty rural out here. Um, we had cows. Mm-hmm. We had like what my dad called like a gentleman's farm. <laughs> he likes to laugh about that. Yeah. But, and um, what, tell folks real quick, who is your dad and what did he do for this, you know, for this community? I mean, the man um, was here for a long time. We only so. got a couple hours, dude. Okay. <laughs> I can talk yeah. about this. Yeah, we can talk but, about yeah, that. For but but he, talk about Mike's real I'll quick. I'll try to summarize it. My dad's, So folks know where you're, sure, where you're at here. He started a business when we were little, when he, when we first moved here, he started working on cars in our back 40, which wasn't 40, it was two and a half acres. But mm-hmm. yeah, he worked on cars and um, started a business. It was really slow and hard to get going like most small business is. Oh, yes. And he was raising five kids, so wow. my mom and him were pretty strapped. Um, I don't really remember it being bad i remember it being great because right. you know we had places to play and baseball and right. you know, everything little kids want um but apparently we you know there's a lot of oatmeal and a lot of like right. know, just yeah like they're basic kissing food. you guys on the forehead and going into the bedroom and bawling because yeah. they don't even know Probably. they're gonna make it yeah, oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so but my dad is an amazing man he has done a lot for the community mm-hmm. i think i learn more and more as i get older you know i have like like people that I, men that I know, like other men that I know that are older than me, that when I was like a kid, they may have been in like junior high or something. And then, um, I'll run into them, like maybe in the, in the deer woods or the elk woods or whatever. And, oh, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm doing great. And then, you know, we start talking and then it's like, yeah, your dad, you know, he's just an amazing man. He, he you is. Know, I just love him so much. How's yeah. he doing? You know, and and everybody wants to know how Mike's doing. You know, to this day, I got. I want to. I want to cut in here because I want to give a little shout out for Mike. All right. To this day, and I've you know me. I've traveled. Yeah. I've lived around. To this day, I have not taken a vehicle to an auto repair place where I have felt as square with the person who owns the business and does the work as I ever have with that guy. That guy just always did me and my everybody that I know, he always did everybody right. Yeah. Every <laughs> single time. And it's like, he needs to be teaching clinics. You know, <laughs> seriously, you need, you need to go tell these guys how to fix cars and how to deal with customers. Yeah. He, <clears throat> um, he's just a softy. That's the thing down inside. He's yeah. like real softy. And okay. so it was hard for him to like, make any money you know because i think to be a good business person we we you and i and probably a lot of people that know what we think a good business person should be honest square you know like right, true right, right you know and um and but you can do that and make a living yes you, you can. know and i think my dad had too much of a heart to like try to make a living sometimes okay. you know what i'm saying he was just like ah oh, you know this this lady's crying or this guy's like really mad and <laughs> yeah. you know i'll just or I'll, he's I'll, getting like, yelled at right? yeah you so got people come in cut, there and be like hey you son of a you know yeah you can't fix a car <laughs> <laughs> so that was a tough business but yeah. my dad was how like, many years did he do it 
35. 35 years. Yeah. You guys, for the folks listening. Well, 35 is his own business. Yeah. 35 years in Clark County fixing cars yeah. right here. I mean, everything from what? Jeeps, jalopies, Honda Accords, pickups, it didn't matter. Well, you bring yeah. in a mic and he'd get it done. There were slow times. I mean, we'd be working on tractors sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, he's an amazing man. So he we is. could go off about okay. it forever. So, yeah, we could. We, we probably need to have Mike Ruth on the podcast. Really, that's probably what we need to do. But uh, for now, so let's get back to, so we got Brush Prairie. It's the 1980s. You guys are... are baseball's huge. Baseball. Little, little League Baseball's everything. Little League Baseball is the thing. Glenwood Little League. Out here. Okay. The Glenwood Little League out here in farm country. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and then you, so let's go, you went to Prairie High School. Yeah. Tell me about Prairie High School. I mean, I went to private school prior to Prairie, so okay. I didn't... There was two main schools that came to Prairie. It was uh, Pleasant Valley Middle School and Glenwood Glenwood Middle School. Wow. Okay. Uh, those two schools, so those, they all had friends and stuff, like, you know, that they'd grown up with, so I get to public high school, and I'm kind of like one of the oddball mm-hmm. um, private schoolers that showed up there, but, like, I don't know, man, like, I just... I just try to be friends with anybody and everybody, you know, so like high school was not a bad experience for me because I don't know. I just, I just try to be be nice to everybody. And so I wasn't like part of a clique, I guess you could say. I was right. probably pretty nerdy. I was nerdy, dude. But, um, you know, I was in choir and drama and I, you know, but I also loved like sports. I didn't really play many sports in high school just because it was like at a different level of commitment. And I was really into music at the time. I mm-hmm. found music. and You had found music by then. Yeah. Okay. 13, I, I started 13. playing guitar. Okay. So, okay. Um, but high school was fine. You know, I was kind of just the, I was never really the jock guy or the, even the drama guy or the, even the choir guy. I was just kind of like this, just like, that Lego guy that doesn't have very much stuff on his face. I was just like generic dude, you know, <laughs> guy next door, you know. Wow. And, um, okay. So <clears throat> you get okay. Let's go. Let's back up a little bit. You're 13 years old. How do you find music? Uh, so I was going to youth group a lot. Okay. At the time and, and and for if, for folks who don't, don't go know. to church, <laughs> yeah. youth group is like a. It's like an event place each week that meets each week. You can go to church, and depending on what age bracket you go into, uh, you know, they got a class or a, or a group, a youth group. with Play other, games. and Hence the word youth, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play games, meet girls. Yeah, that's know, it. Yeah. That's why most like of us went Christian there. environment. Right? I went there to meet women, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um... So, there was, a, like, a, le- a couple leaders throughout the years that, like would pick me up and drive me to get me there, you know? So I'd be there, pick up all the kids and like, try to like shuttle us up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's fun to think about. There are two in particular that played guitar that, I mean, honestly, they taught me, they were so patient. I can't believe they even took all the time to like pick me up. Really? And who, who were these two individuals? Devin Delosier and Ryan Kramer. And Ryan Kramer. And And I always looked up to them. How old were they? Uh, at the time they were like college age. Oh, know, really? Like 23. Okay. And they saw that you had an interest in playing what the guitar? Well, I was like 13 and they were just trying, I think they were just trying to be like good influence on these kids. Okay. Show them like, show them love and show them okay. like, um, 
good examples and okay so like if you were interested in fishing they would try to take you fishing you know really were, and so i was so interested they, in guitar and and they knew how to play so they had very good intentions yeah and they were trying to be authentic oh for sure and give back to the That's, system it always blows my mind when i think about those guys like because i've been 21 22. what are their names again ryan kramer and devin ryan Delosier. kramer and devin delosier devin delosier do yeah. you have any idea where they're at now Ryan Kramer lives, I believe, locally, and Devin Delosier lives in California. Wow. As okay. we grew older, you know, and people get into different life phases, like, you just kind of, like, sometimes lose track. But it's like, I feel like with either of those guys, I could I could be in a room with them for 30 seconds, and I would feel like I never missed any time. You know? Really? They're just kind of those kind of guys. Yeah. You know? Well, hey, and to Ryan and Devin, I have to thank you because being around you... You know, had you not have met Dustin, influenced him, we our our paths may have never crossed. So. Yeah, you know, I so thank you, thank <laughs> you for me. Ben says thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you played your band, right? Played at youth group, right? Yeah, and um, I had already been playing guitar at the time, but like I wasn't in a band or anything like right, that. Right, right. But you were in a band, and you played some songs at our youth group in high school yeah and i remember i was like that's so cool like i want to be in a band you know like that was like <laughs> yeah. i thought that was awesome yeah. so like yeah definitely bounces you know influence bounces back and forth for sure it does yeah and i in that particular case i need to give a shout out to uh old benjamin butson <laughs> uh logan hairline and daniel the man yeah so that's We'll, we'll give a shout out to everybody and, and uh, long live Trinity Tide, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Trinity Tide. Yeah. I ben Butson. Uh, I got to say this real quick because Ben Butson was the guy. He was my Ryan Kramer, Devin. Okay. He had a song and uh, it was called Wandering Eyes. And he had written this song out and. I could see the format and I was like, I could do that. Whatever he just did with the, I could do that. He put the song and the, and the, uh, I could do Melodies and lyrics. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And, and he taught me how to write, how to, how to write a song. That's so, awesome. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Well, and back to guitar. So I got into music at 13. I listened to nineties music at the time. It was nineties. So like, I think the first song I ever learned was Weezer's sweater song. Cause okay. it was like a hand picked Part, right. you know, right. and you know, Ryan Kramer taught me that. And then, like, at the time, like, Weezer was big, like, oh, yeah, Nirvana was big. I'm yeah, I remember you. when I very during that. Well, I remember the first time that that Nirvana hit my ears at that time, yeah. you know, and I remember just being like, what is this? You know, <laughs> yeah. this is awesome, yeah. There was a lot of great music in the 90s. Oh, gosh, so, yeah, I mean, you guys don't have that today, no offense, but <laughs> all you kids, oh man. You missed the you missed the golden era, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. This, yeah. Anyways, okay. so I sat in my room and just tried to learn those. Okay, so you're 13 years old, 13, 14, 15, and you're you're coming home from school. Mm -hmm. You are sitting Going down, probably getting a snack. Your mom's probably <laughs> telling you like, I don't want to deal with you right now. I got a lot going on. Your dad's stressed out. So yeah. you're like, okay, I'm gonna go play music. Yeah, that's what you did. Yeah, you studied. And I played music in my room and just like didn't really think I just wanted to play guitar. You know, okay. I didn't know about songwriting, I didn't know about singing. 
Welcome back to the Pharaoh Podcast. We got Dustin Ruth here. We're in on location, Battleground, Washington, Old Kentucky. And if you're just joining us, we are shooting right into. Uh, you went from Brush Prairie, Old Kentucky, drove your 1980s uh, Dilly Bar Red Nissan Sentra <laughs> down to LA. Now you're in North Hollywood, and we're talking about Rage Against the Machine, one of my most favorite bands of all times. So and we want to. What? That's why you should have been there. You should have met. Them. Oh no! It's not because I didn't. It's not because I don't like Rage Against the Machine. It's because like I wasn't like aware. I wasn't even aware. Of, uh, that's like, okay, man. Who I'm talking. You to. didn't you understand. That's okay. And, but, we have all been in the presence of greatness, and and at at, at times just have not known it. Yeah. It's happened to me. But so I give a shout out: Rage Against the Machine, Zach De La Rocha, and Tim Comerford. Tim Comerford. And let's just. Say. I want to get. I mean. Tom Dude. Morello, I mean, one of the unspeakably one this of the greatest the guitar players of all 2000. time. This is okay. the year two thousand. Year two thousand. So, so we got Zach De La Rocha, Tom Morello, Tim, Tim Comerford, Comerford, and then the drummer. Yeah, let me look him up. Hold it's got to be Brad something. <laughs> Why do you say that? I, I might be wrong on that. I might be wrong on that. <laughs> but I think it's Brad. I just love their music. Brad Wilkes. That, there it is. Okay, Brad Wilkes. And okay. then uh, for folks who don't know this. When when Zach De La Rocha went and did his own deal, that that trio, you got Tom Morello, got the drummer, Brad, and you got Tim the bass player, they conjoined with Chris Cornell and made Audio Slave, also one of my really most good. favorite bands yeah. of all time. So we're in North Hollywood, we're at uh Lavecchia Lu- Lu- Cucina. Lavecchia Cucina. Cucina. The Mother's Kitchen. The Mother's Kitchen. We're in North Hollywood. Well, and that's in Santa Monica. Oh, this right. is in Santa Monica. I would commute there. Okay. <laughs> in so my you're red driving? Okay. <laughs> Idiot thing. And in you, traffic, dude. Like, and you meet Tim, the bass player of Rage Against the Machine. Yes. Guy has pectoral tattoos, which yeah. is unheard of I, in that day and I, age. I, I keep... I just, Looks like a street fighter. Yeah. Well, like, And he's I, just absolutely ripped out of his mind, too. That's the other thing about the guy. I don't know if he worked out, but every time I ever saw pictures of him, I'm like, man, I wish I could look like that. You know? <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm picturing in my head that, that I, I remember he was wearing a red hat. Okay. And I'm almost certain he was wearing like a tank top. Okay. You know? Yeah. But that anyway, I didn't, I didn't know who this guy was. I saw the tattoos. Like, he's a guy off, that can know? wear tank tops. Yeah. Because he's got the stuff underneath. Is he a tank to top or a shirt? Like a loose baggy shirt. Right. Okay. Know? But anyway, he was telling me so casually because the bartender I was with that I worked for, you know, they're kind of my little boss or whatever. I'd like help, you know, clean the bar and everything. I was a bar back. He mentions to Tim that I play music or whatever, like just casually while they're because this guy obviously comes in every now and then, right? So he, that guy was super cool, man. He was like, yeah, me and the guys get together at this breakfast place up the street from this, from Lavecchia Cucina. Once a week or once a month, I think it was once a week, dude. No like kidding. Every every Sunday from this time to this time, you should come stop by, and that's what he told me. I, and I, I never, how, did, how I never do did I it, not dude. know this? <laughs> I never did. And I, I swear, I've never heard this story. I swear it's true, man. You're like, telling me that. So that, okay, so you are okay. But, but the thing is, is like my music was super like, and still is like. It's never gonna hang with Rage Against the Machine. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So but like, that's okay, man. So like to each his own. Yeah. So like showing up to this thing it would have been like I didn't want to like pretend to be like 
you know, this musician that they would have any interest in whatsoever. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, you like, would be like, hey, Tim, I'm a rock star, yeah, too. I understand know? this yeah. is going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. I think this is really cool to meet you, but, like, okay. I'm thinking in my mind, like, yeah, I've never shown up to breakfast. Today. <laughs> not because, like, not because I wouldn't be honored. I'd be, like, thrilled. But the You were intimidated. Like, yeah. Okay. So, like, you, these guys, like, would, like... This is way out of my league. Yeah. Yeah. They'd probably, like... You're probably going to beat me to death right. if they beat heard my up, music. Right. <laughs> it sucks. So anyway, um, so like I would meet people like that. Okay. Point. But I and spent you never a year, went to breakfast with the bass player. Never went to never breakfast. Went. What was the, the breakfast band. going? With the band. With the band. They Dustin, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Uh, I, I, I the said, band of, uh, you, you really got invited to eat breakfast with Rage Against the He said with the guys, shit. like me and the band, you know. Uh, I, I know, it's stupid. Oh, uh, it's just, yeah, it's okay. It's, but, it's all in the past, yeah. right? You know, can't I mean, I'm not like funny enough change. or whatever to like, uh, to, to make those guys my friend over, right. you know, a breakfast with them. Or right. Like no, so I, I, mean, kinda like, I would have been very intimidated myself. Yeah. For sure. So I just kind of, uh, you know, I lived in LA for a year. <clears throat> I, I did do music. I went out and played some clubs. I kind of got into like auditioning for acting a little bit because I met some management people at that restaurant who were like, hey, what do you do? You know, what are you here for? Well, oh, music. Do you ever act? Well, I did a musical at, you know, my high school. Oh, oh really? Well, you know, I'm an acting manager and. There's did this. you did you do an audition? Yeah, a couple. Okay, <laughs> walk me through that. So you get you call the guy. Oh, you're gosh, like, hey, I'm coming down at two. Go from there. Well, it was a, as a girl. It's a girl. Yeah, okay. it was two girls. They own this management company. They were like thirty, you know. And do you uh, remember their names? No, but well, one of them's name was Pamela. Pamela. Um, Not Pamela Anderson. No. Okay. And the one that I met wasn't Pamela. It was. Uh, Maybe it was Sheline Management. I can't remember what the name was, but I remember they had the guy. I know I can tell you this. They had the guy who was at the time a big star with the the show Third Wheel, I think, or no, Blind Date. Oh, is when okay. Blind Date this first is when came when out. Reality TV is yes. like on on the, host, the beginning of its heels. The host of that show was one of their clients. Okay, uh, is that the right word? Yeah, yep. they managed. Yeah, they managed. And, um, then they had like nine other people. Wow. And they signed me. Okay. I signed a deal, dude. I didn't even know what the deal said. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't even know what acting wow. is, but sure. So you I signed some, this. You had some courage. Whatever. I don't know if that's, that's courage. That's courage, yeah. So like, and then they had me do like headshots. So like I got all these photos and then they had like put this, these packages together to get me to go out. So now I'm doing what my roommates are doing, but okay. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know what okay. I'm saying? These guys have been doing it for years. I'm just sort of faking my way through this. Right. And, and the first like, audition hey, I'm I had. Dustin. I can act. I almost had breakfast with Rage Against the Machine last week. I didn't tell week. them all that. <laughs> no, They're like, oh, like, really? Okay. This is just like, you know, just stuff I knew. But oh, that's so cool, man. So you're trying. You're trying to find a way into this, I'm just into willing, this deal. I'm just willing to try. Yeah. You know, I'm just putting open, it out there. open to it. So I go do a Pepsi commercial audition. Really? It was when Christina Aguilera was like big and there was this. Super Bowl, I think it was a Super Bowl ad, but it okay. was like, you could win a day with Christina Aguilera. It okay. was the whole thing. It was like a Pepsi competition. You could buy your Pepsi and maybe you can win this this day with Christina Aguilera. And I'm thinking, sweet, then I could show her my music. Right. Yeah, I don't care about the acting. No, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, so I go to that audition. That was my first audition. And it was just like, you go into this room, there's a bunch of people sitting around and they're all reading the script and they're like talking about 
industry talk, like what they've been auditioning for and all, all the classes they've been in. And I've done nothing. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I walk into this room and there's a camera and there's like four or five, three or four people behind the camera. And I'm like, okay, go ahead, action or whatever. Yeah. And so I just say the line, you know. You're, you're driving a Nissan Sentra <laughs> yeah. and opening beers. Finding parking. Right. This is a nightmare. <laughs> right. LA, everything, right. you got to pay everybody for everything. Everybody hates you down there. He's the rat restroom, you're going to pay right. for it. You need to park your car, you're going to pay for it. You and know. you can't get on the freeway unless your car does 95. Yeah, yeah. or you can, and this was a stick shift, so being on the freeway and trying oh. to be in that traffic was Oh, awful. dude. Yeah, I have been in so many near, like, near-death wrecks in, in LA. Yeah. Yeah. And then... I was not made to drive down there. No callback. I didn't get a callback. That's the big turn. So I learned that from my... No callback. Yeah, callback. Okay. If you get a callback, that's a big deal. You got a chance. Okay, yeah. There's a chance. Yeah, okay. It's very rare. So okay. Okay. I never got a callback. Okay. But it was I'm cool. sorry. No, it's all right, man. I was crushed, but no. I wasn't crushed. I didn't expect to get a callback because like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And then... The next audition I did, which was the only other audition I did, was for a pilot, which is... I didn't know what that was until I moved there, but it's like, you know, when you, when you, when show creators and production companies create a television show, they'll create a pilot, they'll put that out and get it tested. And if it does really well, like every show you see, like Big Bang Theory, um, Parenthood, whatever the big shows are, there's always a pilot. The pilot's kind of like the rough draft, but it's polished enough to like put it on TV and see what the ratings are and how it does, or put it in some sort of test bed. I don't know how they do all that. But okay. It was a pilot for a teen talk show. Okay. And there was like this girl who had, I think at the time, a YouTube following. She had a podcast or a YouTube following, and this was when YouTube was brand spanking new. Oh, yeah, I remember. And, I remember that. Or a website. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a website. But anyway, she had this huge following, and so they were turning it into a television show, where she like helped kids online, but she was a kid too. She was like nineteen, twenty. Uh, let me let me let me let me jump in real quick. I want to say something. I want to give another. I'm on the shout out thing today. Sure. I want to give a shout out to Derek Garcia, the man responsible for educating me on YouTube. We had played a show in Yakima, Washington, at the Sportsman's Bar. And I remember he walked up. I, I had played a song that I wrote for all the soldiers called Send My Brother Home. It's actually on, still on YouTube. You can go look it up. It's called The Band Sequoia, Send My Brother Home. But Derek Garcia, to this day, he, he owns the channel. And he told me, he said, I'm going to put this up on YouTube. And I remember looking at him going, oh, cool. you know. <laughs> and then I remember walking away and going, I don't even know what that guy's talking about. Sure. Never, never heard of it. Don't care. Yeah. You know? What an idiot I was. And Derek Garcia, you were a man ahead of your time. So uh, my hat's off to you. Right on. But yeah, so the other show I tried out for was that pilot. And anyways, I ended up getting like two callbacks or maybe even three, which was like a big deal, you know. And my roommates were like, what? You got a callback? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, is that a big deal? <laughs> it's just like. You so know, come down here from the sticks and get a call. But yeah. it wasn't like I was having to act. You know okay. what I'm saying? It was just yeah. more like being myself. You know. So anyway, but that pilot, I don't think it ever really went anywhere. I didn't get the spot. I got down to the final, whatever ten out of five that were going to be picked or something, and and I didn't get picked. But I did notice in the final like interviews where there, I remember being actually in in the room with like there was like Saved by the Bell posters and really. So it was. NBC or ABC or whatever whatever uh, network has that was like 
involved in this show, like the idea of it. And I remember there was like a guy with a bunch of rings, like kind of classic slick hair rings, everything no sitting kidding. at the table. Yeah, gold chain. Yeah. Total oh! like, oh, that's like so awesome. this is is this even real? Like you know, and so oh, there's all these so people awesome. sitting around, including and you're 18 years old. Yeah, oh, and man. I'm sitting there, and I realized because all the kids that were auditioning with me did he have chest hair? I can't remember, oh, but he had definitely like he had silk, chest hair silky and a shirt. Gold chain. Yeah, dude. anyway. That's so great. Um, they all were, were t- I just, I wish that I could grow chest hair just so I could wear a gold chain. <laughs> yeah. I would do it if it, I could. It is baller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I realized they had all hung out the night before, like all this certain amount of the kids had hung out with the host. Really? Cause they were talking about karaoke or something and I'm like, okay. Thinking to myself. That's weird. I wasn't invited. That's strange. You know, and then, and then, yeah, okay. and so, so like they're really trying to get this. They thing were out. schmoozing. Certain characters <laughs> were already in. You know what right. I'm saying? Okay. And, uh, I wasn't one of them. But so that was all, that was the extent of my like acting career as far as like L.A. But anyway, I moved home after a year of being down there. Okay. And um, so you come back to Vancouver to start a band. Back to Brush Prairie. Yeah. And where did you live when you came back? Um, I first, I showed up at my parents' house. They had gotten an alarm and I didn't know it. And I unloaded my car and then I went up and opened the door because I still had a key and the alarm went off and they weren't home. <laughs> then the cops show the up cops and I'm like, I'm that. in a beanie. Oh, that's like, great. You know, Did they draw this, down? No, they didn't oh, they draw didn't. down, but they were just like really... Like, like what are you doing out here, man? Yeah. I'm like, this is my parents' house, I swear. Yeah, like, I got a dog <laughs> back there. You want a dog? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I moved in with them and then... That's when I started playing music with the Van Tucky Diamonds or oh, whatever. So and great. Just, yep. Like, the, and okay, so let's go through that because this now we're getting into my era. So we got Wayne. No, that that was so This is pre Wayne. Yeah, this pre Wayne. Pre Wayne. This, this is Dan, this is Dan Logan, Logan and uh, Colin. Colin and yes. Dustin Ruth, yeah. Van Tucky Diamonds. Yeah. Okay. That's where I ran back into you actually. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but, I was getting in all kinds of trouble. But um, yeah, you've been you had been to that house and we just had everything set up. So it was like anytime you felt like playing, you just go downstairs and start jamming. Right. And somebody else would come sit on the drums and That's somebody right. else would pick up a bass and all of a sudden you're rocking out and everybody's having fun and partying and but you know over time, a I met your sister, which was like a huge, which I didn't know that was your sister at the time, but I met your sister and B, um, I was at that time ripe for the pickings to be pulled out of that you know what i'm saying because like i was tired of living in in just like a filthy garbagey place not talking down about anyone i was part of it no but you know you go you're just empty go to do the dishes and there's like maggots in the sink oh yeah been there for days yep yep fast food wrappers and stuff everywhere and it's like an even worse version of college yeah, oh, you know, yeah. because it's just awful. I mean, you're studying and you're working hard at stuff, but at the same time, there's this partying element, and then it's like nobody's gonna get up on Saturday and clean the place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Anyway, so you know, I, I think that. most of our listeners have been there at one oh, time. Yeah. You know, it's just that time in it's life. Just that you're time not, in life. You're not proud of it. No, know? it's no. And anyway, so then um, you know, I moved back into my parents, and I quit smoking weed, and I just like. And it had, had you met Amy at this point? Yes. Okay, so run me through so that. So I'm long-distance relationship How with Amy. How did you meet Amy? Met her at a show. You met her at a show. Yeah. So she came to hear music. Yeah. She's there with friends, going to listen to some music. Yeah. Live, live performance. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I called her, and she was going to college, and 
anyway, so we started like calling and writing letters and stuff. And because um, at the time, like even I didn't have a computer or email or anything like that. And phones weren't that sophisticated. So it was just like phone calls and written letters. Mm-hmm. And um, I miss those days. <laughs> cleaned up my act, got super depressed because I felt like I left this band that I like believed in and these friends. I couldn't be around them because I just would just continue to live the lifestyle that I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, I think they were pretty angry and hurt by that, but, mm-hmm. you know, there was no way of me exiting out of that. And they were kind of getting into other drugs, you know, right. at the time and stuff right. that I didn't really, I'd drawn the line, you know. Well, and we had a really, really good friend, you know, that died. Yeah. Old Pat. One of know? my favorites. Just one of the, yeah. Just yeah. a, just a tragedy. Yes. And what a, what a wonderful human being that that guy yeah. was. Pat was, uh. I love Pat. Oh, he was a wonderful, just a wonderful <sighs> creation. Yeah. You know, had a, had a heart of gold. Made anyone around him feel so much better about oh, himself. Yeah, he was just one of those guys. And he could sit down and just like freelance, uh, you know, like ad lib anything. Yeah. You could give that guy a guitar and he could just sit down and just break down, you yeah. know. And he yeah. loved. Um, you could get a rap out of him. You could get a country song out of him. He loved Bradley Knoll. Yeah, you could get What's like a... What's the band? Uh, Sublime. Sublime. Yeah, you could get a... Kind of like... He could just pull off so much. He was a very talented human being. Yep. Very lovable. Anyway, so I Rest kind of... Rest peace, Pat. Yep. I parted ways from that lifestyle. Um, got super depressed, but then like... I mean, I don't know how spiritual we want to get, but you know, I was out building fence with my dad you get um, as spiritual as you want man this is all about the real it was so. summertime um okay. i was working at his shop you know and then living in the trailer and then i was building fence with my dad and i remember i was like thinking about big questions mm-hmm. life questions like yeah fencing does that to you huh <laughs> yeah start doing it you get into the flow and then it's like and my dad deep. yeah yeah I, I could work with my dad and not say a word right and like but just being with him. Just be, yeah. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just awesome, you know? But anyway, yeah. he had, he was like, I'm going in, I'm going to go get ready for dinner. Still light outside because we have those long days in summer and still pretty warm. And I'm still in my shop attire, you know, my blue collar shirt and grease all over it. And your folks had really just hung in there with you through oh, all yeah. of this, too. Yeah. They know? were like super right. willing to let me come live there. They just let you be yourself. Make a job there. Yep. Like, so, uh,. Yeah, building fence. I'm thinking of these big questions, and then all of a sudden, like these verses from when I was a kid at private school that I had to memorize, like little snippets of those would like come to the front of my mind, and they really? would answer the question. So like I'd think about this question, and then all of a sudden, this verse I hadn't thought of in a long time would just pop in my mind, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that." Well, I guess that kind of answers that. But then I would think, "But what about this?" You know, like it would kind of lead me to another question. And then another snippet of a verse would pop in the front of my mind that would answer that. And I'm like, yeah, but what about this? And after a few of that, I'm building, I'm like working on this fence. My dad's inside. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. It clicked for me that it wasn't me that was thinking of these verses and Mm -hmm. bringing them to the front of my mind. It was what I believe would be what we'd call the Holy Spirit just just trying to speak to me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. so I'm I'm thinking of these big questions, and all of a sudden these answers are popping in my mind via old scriptures I had memorized, and all of a sudden it's like, it clicks after a few times. Like, wait, who the heck is like making me think of these verses? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. 
it, it clicked. I don't know how to say it, but I guess yeah. my, my eyes were open to the fact that God was trying to talk to me, which mm-hmm. sounds weird. It's not a burning bush. No. It's not a parted Red Sea, but I believe to yeah. this day that was 100% the Lord trying to speak to me. Okay. And uh, so, man, I went inside the house like jacked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I ate dinner that night, and I'm just telling my parents, like, you never believe what's what's going on. Like I'm thinking of these questions, and the answers are popping in my mind. Like, what's, what's wrong with me? But I was super like awakened at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how to put it. I wasn't a better person. Mm-hmm. I was still just, you know, an awful person and mm-hmm. everything else. But like I started reading my Bible. I opened the book of John and everybody says go to John or whatever. And like I've read a lot of the Bible growing up. You know what I'm saying? Because it was kind of forced. Not mm-hmm. forced, but it was like, you know, part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And you got to memorize these verses at private school. and Right. You know, and I was a pleaser, so I would right. want to, like... Yeah, be make, a good little boy. Yeah, yeah. I, and that, that's that right. was me, man. So, right. like, anyway, um, John never really meant a ton to me because I had no life experience. So, anyway, I opened up this book of John. I started reading, and, dude, I don't know what day... I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what time it was. I didn't know when I ate, when I slept, when I went to work. The world was still spinning, but I was, like, literally locked onto this book. Hmm. And by the end of the story, it was like I had never read it before, even though I know how the story ends. Mm -hmm. Like by the end of the story, when like, when Jesus gets like betrayed and they take him to crucify him, dude, I was like bummed. I was Mm -hmm. like, no, yeah, that's my friend. You can't Mm -hmm. do that. You know, it was just this weird, I, the words were coming off the page, bro. And I I know this is kind of weird. It's probably going to trip out people, but, or like make them totally shut this podcast off. No. But it was crazy. It was like, I don't know if you've ever, it was, this is the best way I can describe it. I literally for the, I drank for the first time in my whole life. I realized I'd been wandering skin and bones in the desert, thirsty and hungry. And there was water and food all around, but I didn't know it. I finally took a drink for the first time Hmm. and I felt that water going. And I realized at that moment I had been starving myself this whole time wow that that's how it felt and i can't really describe it any any other way there was great moments man like i was thinking i was reading verses and then thinking of like rolling stones time lyrics Mm -hmm. and i felt like it was just you know that can't get no satisfaction song Mm -hmm. i remember at a moment i'm reading john and there was some part of scripture that was talking about how god like i was realizing that god's involved in everything in our lives everything in our world you know what i'm saying and it was funny because, and I don't know Mick Jagger's heart, so I can't really say this for sure, but I almost felt like when I thought that, that song popped in my head, because I just love classic rock, and and I just felt like the Lord was sh- telling me when that happened that even Mick Jagger speaks the truth, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't know it. Yeah, shout out to Mick Jagger. So, too. yeah, dude, the yeah. guy's speaking the truth. Exactly. I can't get no satisfaction, right. and I try, and I try, and I try. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like... That's how our lives are yeah. when we don't have God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because so we're just like, we're chasing that satisfaction and we can't get it. And yeah. um, I'm it's not saying truth. that you believe in God and all of a sudden you're satisfied. No. You're, you're not. But <clears throat> it's definitely, for me, um, 
it's it's like drinking in the desert for yep. the first time. It was know? the first time you were really open. And poor McJagger, when he wrote that song, just like me, was still wandering in the desert, saying, "I can't get no satisfaction. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? I don't even understand." And we don't even know, man. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, I can relate, man. I, at that time, you know, during that period of time that you are describing. I also was brought up with the church, and at that time in my life, I was a full-blown atheist. I didn't believe in the devil or God mm-hmm. on either side. I just thought that we were here, and everybody goes back to the earth. Yeah. And it's over. And I know, like, these days, deconstructing your faith is kind of the trend, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, so I've seen that amongst a lot of friends and people that I've mm-hmm. known throughout the years. And, I mean, I love them all. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like... I feel like God's been reconstructing my faith. Yep, me too. For the last 20 years or 15 years or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, the point is um, building the fence, had this kind of spiritual awakening. That's what we're going to call it for, for the sake of your listeners. And um, that changed my life. You know, like it didn't change overnight. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't smoke weed after that ever mm-hmm. again. But that's not. Really not ever again. And ever that's again. incredible. I love the smell of it, everything, but like. And and I also don't want it to come across like I'm coming down on people who smoke. For me personally, I I wake up and smoke. I'd go to work and smoke. I'd oh, come yeah. home and smoke. That's all I wanted to do was smoke yep, weed. That's and, right. Go and when I would do it, I would think I would have these like trains of thought that were so intellectual, mm-hmm. you know, and that everyone around me was. So it became I became very prideful from mm-hmm. it. I thought that people who live sober lives were just boring and dumb and mm-hmm. they don't even understand. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's really weird. There's this arrogance hmm. that crept in from weed for me. Okay. And, um, and I thought that I was enlightened and these people were, had the blinders on. The reality was the weed was putting the blinders over my eyes to reality. Cause once I sobered up, I realized, um, there's just so much more to life than what I, I, I was literally blinding myself. So yeah. point is for me, it was destructive. Now, okay. you know, I'm not going to argue whether it was destructive for everyone nope, or whatever. We're not that's, judging. Yeah, that's not, we're not judging anyone. I've, I've, yeah. I've, like, I have so all. many friends who smoke weed and yeah. like, I have no problem with their choices. No. You know, I just, that's just for me. That's what it did. So I quit. I moved on. And, um, I started changing my songwriting. It sucked really, really bad for several years after that. But then eventually I wanted a band. I always wanted to be in a band. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be like a solo artist okay. or something. I was a songwriter. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to do is write songs. Mm-hmm. That's what gives me the most joy. But I also love like camaraderie. I mm-hmm. love friendship and um I love being part of a team. I'm I'm much better of a supporting actor than a lead role if that Mm. makes sense so i personally just like i hoped i would be in a band again someday and anyway i was working at the shop i met this kid cody shout out to cody they're a great kid yep we started talking and you know he played drums and he was a believer as well and um and so then he introduced me to nick at like some party nick who's turned into one of my best friends yeah like just great guy like can't get closer of a friend um, and he, I remember seeing Nick and being like, man, that kid's like so cool. I, I wish he played guitar. Like that'd be so sick. And you're talking about Nick Winnicka. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. And also uh, a, well, I think originally he's an, an Albany 
Oh, probably no, Origin. No, no, no. He's, no, he's from here. New Hampshire. His, his he's from New Hampshire, yeah. and then he, he moved here when over he was here six. Yeah. So also another Van Tucky rel- uh, native here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so I met him in Battleground. All okay. these guys live in Battleground. Everybody's, yeah, okay. So I remember thinking of all the people that I had ever met, I remember thinking, looking at Nick and just saying, man, I wish that guy played guitar because I would like want him to play guitar hmm. like in the band with me. Turns out he did play guitar. And um, not only did he play guitar, he like, we started jamming and it was like instantly I knew that Nick was A, a far better guitar player than me, but B, had the same sense of like melody and feel that that I did about songwriting and music. And that I don't want to say that I did like in an arrogant way, just we fit together, you know? And I was like, dude, this, this Nick makes my songs better, you know? And, um, but not only that, we just, we'd watch Conan together. We'd just have late nights, like watch the Eagles DVDs and, um, you know, just different stuff, just hang out, you know? And like really grew close. We had sort of a, a rotating cast of drummers, a rotating cast of bass players, but Nick has always been, the other half of the band okay. after that. So what did you... Okay. So, so we formed got, this new band. What's the new band? Ruth. Ruth. Okay. Well, we had a little coffee break, a little uh, rest stop. So we are back. Welcome, everybody, boys and girls, friends and family. Welcome to the Feral Podcast. I am your host, Ben Hannon, and we are here today on location in Battleground, Washington. If you're just tuning in with Dustin Ruth. Um, and so we are, we'll catch you up. We are now in the story. We're, we're back here and you have just started a, uh, a new band called Ruth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So that's where we're starting and you are, you're starting to change some things in your life. Yeah. Okay. So we got Colin. No, we got Cody. Mm-hmm. Cody. Yeah. And we got Nick Winnicka. Nick. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And, and we... what's Cody's last name? Thompson. What is it? Thompson. Thompson. Cody Thompson. So shout out to Nick. Shout out to Cody Thompson. So yeah. Basically, I love these shout these shout outs, man. <laughs> so we'll probably, I'll probably never do them again, but today we're doing them. Alright. <laughs> okay. Um So yeah, I I really something about Nick I just was like drawn to. Um turns out he plays the guitar. It's really good. We Yeah, and the guy is an in freakishly insane artist. Yes. I'm talking about pen on paper. Yeah. Absolutely I was just gonna say just yeah. ridiculously insanely good at drawing. Yes. The, to, to the to the level of where you look at the paintings and you feel like you're getting sucked in by them because they're so good. Yeah, Nick is by far, I think, in the band like probably the most artistically talented oh he's (laughs) the picture that he drew for your album cover of the room with the guy and the computer and all the chaos oh my gosh yeah and that was i looked at that picture for like an hour that was him doodling it was just incredible (laughs) just absolutely incredible how good if i could draw like that i wouldn't i I wouldn't live here yeah the funny thing is nick was in school to be a an engineer wow and he quit the last semester to to play music basically really with me okay so um like i said the the rest of the band was kind of a rotating cast until we got to jesse counts 
Oh, yeah. And Ryan Peterson. Shout out to Jesse and Ryan. Yeah. Ryan the drummer. So, um, those guys, for me, that was, like, kind of the, like, I suppose the the recipe for the band that was, like, guys, I'm guys, both of them. Yeah, and just really talented people. Jesse's guys an, an amazing, incredible drummer. Jesse's Jesse, an amazing fine artist. Yep, and just can, an incredible artist. And uh, really creative mind. Yep. Plays bass great. Oh, yeah. Great, um, great bass player. Anyway, so those guys, and a mixture of different players over the years, guys sit subbing in and subbing out. Um, we toured, you know, we got a record deal at the time uh, with a label that was pretty established at the time called Tooth and Nail. Okay. And, um, so you got signed. Yeah. You got four real, you, you, you achieved the dream of every artist, which <laughs> yeah, is to so. be signed by a major record company. And, and they set up a tour. Yes. For, well, for the band Ruth. Well, yeah, we first Because you guys are shooting music videos right now, right? <laughs> at the time, yeah. It's we, coming. Yeah. Where are we in the, in the timeline? Well, so... Tell me about... Okay, let me back you. Sure. Tell me about getting signed. So we got signed... Okay, so... I, don't know. I explain to people, like, how does that work? You just wake up one day and it's like, well, we're going to give you all this money, Justin. No, no, no. no. Okay, so I've okay. got a bunch of bad recordings over the years. Oh, like, yeah. You know, awful project. Mostly the re- quality of the recordings sucked. Yeah. The... And for folks who are understanding this, just like blue-collar studio time in 2020, you're looking at between 80 to 100 bucks an hour. just to go in and just like put a guitar track down so you i mean it gets expensive fast and i want to do a real song with a real band you're talking about real money yeah and and then you could put that song out and nobody cares nobody listens to it and you're 10 grand in the hole and nobody gives a two cents yeah right okay so yeah i'd spend a lot of money and time on kind of like I guess you, you learn as you go, mm-hmm. but you know, so those projects weren't a waste of time, but no, they were just kind so. of like learning process. Yeah. So Confuses I've made me. several projects that I'm not real proud of, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They just kind of suck. And at this point, as do though, I. at this point I was like, I really want to do one right. I want to get the right people involved. And I would kind of learned from the past, like a numerous things about, the people you work with and how to tell if they're going to contribute or take from your project, mm-hmm. if they're really going to make it sonically sound all right mm-hmm. or not. And so we did an EP as the band Ruth. I paid for it. Um, okay. Let me stop you right there too. Cause I really want to get into that, that part of it for folks that don't know. Okay, everybody. Hey, listen, we got a part two on this Dustin Ruth situation, and I just want to invite all of you to come back. Um, come back. Get your headphones on. Get your earbuds in. Your your uh, your Beats, whatever you got, you know. And come back. Come listen to the second part of the story. It's really good. So I hope to see you there. Thanks a lot. <laughs>